0: Welcome to the Professional Plumber Podcast. We hope that these podcasts will bring some insight into who we are and what we do. So while in conversation with the PIRB, sit back, enjoy, and make sure to connect with the PIRB on Facebook or at PIRB.co.za for more.
1: It's a lekker warm welcome to our audience, to you, the listener out there. This is yet another episode in a series of safety tips that you, as a plumber, can share with your customers as well as that this conversation or these conversations that we have, these safety tips conversations are also aimed at the consumer uh you know because they also our audience, so a very warm welcome to them as well. uh I have our technical guru on the other side here or in studio with me as they always say. Mr. Richard Bailey, wearing his technical guru cap. Richard, a lack of warm welcome to you as well, and uh, welcome back to the new year, 2022.
2: Yeah, Willem, good morning, and um, thank you very much, although I'm not quite sure what you mean by guru. I've never had a guru cap. Um, I've just, (laughs) you know, I think my nicest cap is like an old 15-year-old scruffy unit that I wear quite often, but that's just about it. But thank you. Welcome. Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, lucky like Richard. So we're returning this year, and this this is our first uh, first episode of these uh, safety tips toward you know for the customers or the consumers, as we refer to them. But before we head into our conversation and before I fire away with all of the other questions, uh, let's hop into an ad break just quickly.
0: Are you a tradesperson or a trading company that is looking for a platform to market your services? Let Articulated speed up the process for you. You can use our podcast to sell your services. Email us for a quote at organizer at You can also visit our website at www.articulated.co.za. Don't forget to download the all new and improved App Plumber from the Google Play Store. All your plumbing solutions are just a click away. Exclusively for Android users.
1: Welcome back to our listeners. So what better way to uh, build and establish and maintain a long-lasting relationship with your customers and your consumers than to give them sound advice? I mean they look up to you as the expert, as a the plumber. They, you know they, they, they trust you as the expert within your field. And you know other than delivering good quality service to them, Giving sound advice and safety tips to them also counts a lot because they rely on that, and that's how you establish and maintain long-lasting relationships uh, with your customers. And obviously, referrals and those kind of things. So this is a this is a two flies with one swat. Mm.
2: Yeah, I I, I also am um, just uh, you know I feel that these. Um These particular podcasts, this series of podcasts that we're doing, safety tips to the consumer, I've I've structured them as, and you will know this, Willem, I've structured them a little bit differently because plumbers will listen to this and say, man, I know all this. I know it. I I know you know it. Um, uh, And this is, yes, it's good info, but it's info geared to be able to be easily understood by the consumer. So because what I've found in my career, and and it's quite a long one in plumbing industry, is that, the consumer often thinks they know what they want or um, they, they, they think they know quite a lot about plumbing, but they actually know nothing. And and we, the plumbers, are the ones, the only ones that are able to tell them that they know nothing. Nobody else is going to tell them that they know nothing about plumbing because neither do they. So, so a plumber is the one that needs to... Be just hold on, Mrs. Jones. You actually don't know. Let me just explain this in in layman's terms, so you understand the consequences of getting stuff wrong. For example, so that you understand the importance of being able to identify certain problems at face value. And I found, and as I said in my career, in my career, I found the biggest hurdle between, uh, or, or no, let me rephrase that: the biggest cause of frustration for both plumber and client is lack of communication. That to me is the number one problem right there. And it should start from that very first phone call. So I'm hoping that these podcasts, uh, I don't know, um, reach a lot of um, consumer ears, and I really do. So yeah, let's get straight into it.
1: Okay, so today, Richard, we're talking about uh, specifically safety tips around mounting of hot water cylinders. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. All right. So so let's let's talk to the layman out there. Let's talk to the the consumer, who who's not quite familiar with all the terms. You know the plumbing terms and the plumbing jargon that we use. So exactly what is meant by the mounting of hot water cylinders? The
2: mounting is the manner in which you affix the cylinder into a position. If you are going to put the cylinder into a ceiling space, whether you're going to put it against a wall or wherever it is, it is how you go about making sure that the geyser stays where it is supposed to stay. Plumbers have uh, um, been given a mandate. When I say this, a mandate by the standards, by the... uh, Basically, we've been granted permission by the engineers, uh, the engineering profession, as plumbers, to be able to make decisions as to the design and the installation of certain types of pressure vessels. These are the most common things, uh, the most common geysers, uh, domestic geysers that we're talking about. They fall under the Pressure Vessels Act. They are extremely dangerous things. But plumbers have been granted special permission to make decisions as to the installation of these pressure vessels, provided that they stick to a very particular set of guidelines, which in this case is SANS-10254. Now, if 10254 gives us as plumbers the... Uh, ability to make decisions as to how well how yeah as i've said to to install the things up to and including a capacity of 450 liter geysers that is to design the installation the pipework how it looks the configuration and so on when we talk about mounting of geysers the making sure that structures are sound enough to be able to bear the weight of geysers there are additional restrictions and guidelines that come into that, because we're talking about heavy things here. They are large, cumbersome, and heavy, and they are subject to a a bit of vibration and stress and strain, not much, but a little bit of movement here and there, but still, they are big, heavy items. And very often we put them in places that can't bear the weight. So, well, and the structure takes a bit of strain. So this so this is where an understanding of what I'm allowed to do, what I should be doing, and the measures I should be taking as an installer. And you as the homeowner, you must be aware that these things, are. it's a necessary process that one needs to go through. So there are many, guide, well, there are guidelines concerning the mounting of geysers.
1: Before we continue with our conversation, have a listen to this.
0: Introducing the Plumbing Industry Registration Board Company Registration Portal. Now you can register your company to have access to more benefits, including purchasing and allocating certificates of compliance to your PRB-registered employees. Visit www.pirb.co.za to find out more information.
1: And I mean, those guidelines, the plumbers themselves already know and should know for that matter, but the consumers wouldn't necessarily know. So they wouldn't be able to, to uh, you know, at, at a glance, uh, look at their geyser and the mounting thereof and know what has been done correctly and what has been done incorrectly. And for that matter, they wouldn't also necessarily know about the risks imposed by it not being mounted correctly. So let's talk about, could you highlight... Richard, sorry, you wanted to say?
2: No, I was, I was just concurring with you. And um, I, you will have, you will have seen a, a series of photographs that I sent through to you personally just before this chat um, of a geezer that had, um, I don't know, come loose, dismounted, came straight through the ceiling onto a, a couch and into the middle of a lounge. It looked like about a 200-litre geezer. And this happened uh, within the last two days. Um, and it's not an uncommon thing. It's just a, it's just the latest of another series. So the, there are very, these guidelines and, and this, this podcast, I'm hoping, I'm not going to get technical and say it needs to be 300 millimeters and that, that's not the purpose of this. I'm, I'm wanting to highlight the fact that there are guidelines and that there is a responsibility on the, on the installer to make sure that he or she knows these guidelines and follows them and mm, to and highlight the them. fact that the, correct and that the consumer needs to ask those questions. Hey, yeah. have you made sure that my roof structure is strong enough? So, yeah, that's the that's yeah. the the story.
1: Well, just for the audience, just for you the listener out there, I'm looking at these pictures that Richard sent to me on uh, you know, on WhatsApp and it's a ceiling that fell through a roof. Now, that thing is let's say it's a 250 liter geezer. If that geezer was full and obviously geezers mostly are full, if that geezer was full, that means that it weighs in excess of 250 kilograms. Now, it fell through the ceiling because of its mountings that wasn't properly uh, mounted, it wasn't properly installed. And it fell through that ceiling, it fell right on top of a couch that's in the living room or the lounge in front of the television. Can you imagine you, your spouse, your children sitting on that couch watching TV and all of a sudden a 250 kilogram metal geezer falls through your ceiling right on top of your head. I, I think that would, you know, that could be fatal.
2: Well, it certainly is. Uh, don't forget, Willem, This thing is under pressure. Hey, this thing is Before. now under four hundred kpa, full of hot water. So we're not mm. just talking about a dead weight here. This, these are extremely dangerous things, and and people have got to realize how dangerous they are, and they've got mm. to start taking ownership of their own installations. And I'm talking to the homeowners because the homeowners are all too Quick to just say, "Ah, oh, man, let the plumber do it and trust him implicitly, which is fine. But all too often, this sort of thing happens. If you're not going to take responsibility for your own home and ask the correct questions, then this sort of thing starts to happen. And I might be sounding a little bit harsh or whatever, but that's the truth of it. You've got to take
1: responsibility. So, so let's look and at a couple of highlights. Here. Absolutely. I agree with you. And and I think one of the most important things that we can highlight for them in this podcast is to make use of not only a properly qualified plumber, but also a licensed plumber, a plumber that is registered, preferably registered with a professional body, a professional plumbing industry body that can issue you with a certificate of compliance that says, hey, the work that I have done complies to the requirements of national standards. And therefore, it should, it, it, it will be safe for you as a consumer. But before we go into that detail, let's just go into a couple of highlights of the basic requirements. Like I, I just mentioned the standards and the requirements of the standards. Could you highlight in layman's terms just a couple of uh, uh, highlights for us, please?
2: Sure. So one of the very common ways of mounting geysers or installing geezers in homes is in the roof space, so the following well is a as you say a couple of highlights as to what the installer should be looking for and making sure of before he mounts this thing, so it talks about the amount of weight that can be borne by the trusses. One of the rules is that only one geezer per three trusses is allowed. So if you jump up into your seating space, and many of us can, many many, uh, consumers do jump up and have a look-see. If there are two geezers, for example, mounted in that roof space uh, that do not, or that occupy the same three trusses in any way, shape, or form, that's non-compliant. So that's a hard guideline. Over and above that, whatever the Platform is that you are constructing to support the the giza it needs to be compliant. Well, it needs to comply with a set of requirements which reside in SANS one hundred two five four, which is the giza installation standard. Not going to go into um, into into uh, technical detail, but there are there is a set of rules surrounding the structure and the strength of this platform that you need to uh, construct in order to support this thing. It speaks about things such as minimum timber size, the spacing of that timber, the positioning of the timber, how, in what orientation to, to put the timber. And then it starts to talk about the existing structures such as, well, the roof trusses themselves that are there already, onto which you are trying to mount this geezer. If those trusses are not sufficiently strengthened or have not been designed to carry the weight of the skis, you need to take the decision to strengthen them. And there are reasonably straightforward ways and methodologies that one can do it. Yes, they, a bit of effort. Yes, it costs a bit of money, but they are there and it's doable. Um, So the decisions that need to be made to ensure the Safe mounting of a geezer in roof space are absolutely available in the standards. They are there. It's just a matter of looking at it, comparing it to what you have, and implementing it. So, from a homeowner's perspective, you would ask the question: Look, uh, you're going to install a new geezer. Is the roof strong enough? Have you show me the platform you're going to make? Tell me how you're going to design it. I mean, nine out of ten of us, Willem, uh, as lay people, will look at a piece of timber. And, and and say to ourselves okay well this must bear the weight of four men across that will it hold Nine out of ten of us will get that answer right you know we just guess we'll say yes it can or no it won't so if it looks dodgy if it looks dodgy call, call it out make a call and ask a question and then um, one very very important thing to note with regards to restrict or restrictions in decision making from a Installer's perspective, I mentioned earlier on that um, we as plumbers are allowed to design and install geysers up to the capacity of 450 liters. However, in the case of mounting it into or onto a roof, any roof, that capacity, we may not make a decision larger than 250 liters. The the qualified plumber, no matter how good you are, unless you hold an engineering degree, a structural engineer's degree and can sign off a structural engineer's uh, uh, document, you may not make decisions as to the uh, uh, ability of a roof structure to be able to bear that weight. So we can construct and make and decide about platforms and strengthening up to and including a capacity of 250 liter geysers. Anything above that, we need an engineer's design and an engineer's sign-off. So that's a very important thing to note. So solar systems, a lot of them are 300 liters. If you have a plumber that is installing a 300-liter solar system, straight away, where's the engineer's design and sign-off on my roof structure? That's it. It's requirement. So that's out there. And then very often overlooked uh, because it doesn't really – come to mind where you talk about construction of a platform or making something strong enough is where this thing's sitting and how accessible is it is it is the 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 Giza accessible all of the componentry within that Giza Giza accessible the valves surrounding it I need to get up there from time to time to change and maintain and replace things is it Tucked away in the tightest of corners, that is not accessible and it is non-compliant. I must be easily to be I must be easily able to reach it, dissect it, take it apart, maintain it, and replace portions of it. So those are the highlights, well, I guess overview of what, what mm. to look out for in a roof installation.
1: The the basic requirements that, that basic, consumers basic can... Yeah can consider when when somebody comes to install a geezer at their premises
2: that's right yeah, just basic high level will this is not in depth or exhaustive by any means
1: so we we, we just discussed uh, uh, geezers in in roof space and or on top of roofs for that matter, but what about wall mounting
2: wall mounting again is uh it, the, the, it's controlled the biggest um The biggest difference there is the size or the capacity of the geyser, which is allowed to be wall-mounted. So as a plumber, I am allowed to decide whether a vertical surface or a wall structure is strong enough to support a geyser, but only up to and including 200 litres. So I may not make any decisions beyond that. So anything bigger than 200 litres, again, for a wall-mounted situation, I need... um, Well, the standards are actually quite clear. They say it shall not be mounted, but I'm sure an engineer would make a a, would would be able to put a concrete structure together and put some bracketry together so that you could mount larger tanks on there. But that's out of my depth. I don't even look at that, that. I'm not a an engineer, so that I step back and we allow engineers to do that. So for plumbing purposes, 200 liters against the wall is the is the limit. Remembering that the plumber. Is acting. And again, we come back to the concession almost. I want to put that in inverted commas that we have been given by the engineering council to be able to make these decisions, decisions for pressure vessels. It's, it's almost like a, I don't want to use words like favor in that, but it is a concession that we've been given, provide and it's very strictly provi- provisor uh, that we follow 10254. So, when we mount geysers, we've got to take it seriously. So, you've got to make the decision as to whether or not this wall is strong enough. If you're going to put a 200-litre or even a 150-litre geyser against the wall, and it's a single wall, and it's got no um, perpendicular uh, supports nearby, and it's a it's a parapet wall, or a that's not going to hold the geyser. You've got to make these decisions, you know, with some gravity. You've got to take it seriously. We've seen geysers pull out of walls, we've seen them fall through uh, ceilings. We've seen them. the The substrate of the wall itself is a little bit crumbly or weak, and the incorrect fixations have been used. And those fixations have simply pulled out. So the wall itself stays, but the fixations pull out. So these mistakes are on us as installers. And again, consumers out there, um, please make sure that you ask the questions. Lastly, for the yeah, I just want to mention Willem. Um, just lastly, is that any manufacturer guidelines must be followed because very often manufacturers have got guidelines for wall mounting. Some geezers are not suitable for wall mounting at all. They have not been designed for wall mounting. Uh, One must determine that. And some geezers require additional support when wall mounting it. And that comes from from the manufacturer. So you must just be sure of that. Sorry, I interrupted you, man.
1: Actually, I interrupted you, but nonetheless, the, what I wanted to say is that what you're saying, the fact that you know there are such requirements from the Engineering Council um, and, and such specific things that need to be taken into consideration when geysers are mounted, whether it's mounted in a roof or on top of a roof or whether it's mounted against a wall. And I can tell you now, the... the, the The guy on the street corner that advertises himself as a plumber will not know this and he puts the customer and the consumer at risk. And therefore I want to reiterate to our listeners, to you out there, if you are a consumer, make use of a properly qualified and licensed registered plumber. Somebody who is registered with a professional body who is a professional in his trade because they are the ones that will take your safety into consideration we spoke about in in roofs you know in ceiling capacities we've spoken about wall mounting but what about on roof mounting like for instance solar geysers we 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 slightly just slightly mentioned it in one of your previous answers
2: mm. so it so that's the other quite common position for a geyser to be and um as with the uh, in roof installations the the necessary steps and decisions must be taken for strengthening of the existing roof structure, as well as the additional uh, timber that must be added in places to enable uh, the support, the proper support to the thing. So a lot of that overlaps with the in-roof installation. So I'm going to leave that alone. But there are some additional considerations for on-roof things. For example, uh, in this these requirements, a lot of these requirements reside in the solar geezer installation standard, which is SANS 10106. And they say things such as, never put any obstruction in the waterways of the roof covering. When you think of a roof covering, you think corrugated iron preps or, or tiles or whatever. They are troughs and valleys. Ach, troughs and valleys are the same thing, aren't they? <laughs> Peaks and troughs, should I say. <laughs> but the waterways... <laughs> The, the waterways are the valleys or the or the troughs in within this roof covering. So that's where mm. when it rains, the water is going to travel in the lowest part of it. So don't go and put your fast your your, your roof penetration or your pipe <laughs> travelling through right. into right in the waterway. <laughs> so have a look at look out for that. It's very easy to spot. Just just open your eyes and look to see if there is any obstruction of the waterways. The reason for this is obvious. Um, Water will always have and carry debris, and that debris will build up over time. And what you're going to be creating there is a little dam, and dams on roofs is not a good thing, period. I don't care what design it is and, the, and, and so on. If you've got a on – a, on a metallic roof, for example, if you have a, a, a bunch of debris, which is constantly damp, you're going to rust it. I know it's galvanized, but you're going to increase the possibility of corrosion there, and it causes all sorts of problems. So don't block the waterways. Then quite a broad statement in the standards, but it says nothing should contribute to the acceleration of corrosion in the roof in any way or of the roof in any way. That's sort of quite self-explanatory. So if there's anything that is there that... Uh, for whatever reason i'm not going to try and think of a of of, a, of an example but it nothing should contribute to the uh, uh um, um accelerated corrosion of the roof in any way no debris should be trapped on the roof, like that's the waterways. And sometimes it can even be not not even in the waterways, but it could be uh, um, for other reasons as well. And if it's if it's a real problem and it's trapping debris on the roof, it's it's a problem, and one needs to look at it. Then roof penetrations, because you've got a geyser a geezer on top of the roof, you need that hot water to be fed into the home. Uh, I, I would guess, um, and you need cold water to come up to the you, know, you need to punch through the roof. Those roof penetrations cannot again be in the waterways of the roof covering. Sometimes it's tricky. Uh, there are certain roof coverings with, with without sufficient space to punch through on the peaks. Uh, in that case, you need to consult a, a professional waterproofer and come up with a design because usually you need to flash all the way from the from the um, the apex of that roof uh down to where that roof penetration is in in order to uh, prevent uh, problems there and then whenever you penetrate through a roof that penetration needs to be properly flashed and and waterproofed and i'm not talking about you know off the shelf um 50 rand pop and lap sort of thing that doesn't work for for that is does not constitute flashing the standards are quite clear that when we penetrate roofs, we need to flash it uh, or otherwise make sure that it is properly waterproofed. And the, but they use the word flashing, which is a physical thing. And if you look it up, you'll see that it, it is a physical. It's not just paint uh, or, or or from a tube. That is not waterproofing. Uh, it might serve a purpose for a few months, but it is not waterproof. And re- remembering that uh, anything that the, the – the, That we install as as plumbers, we should be installing it with a um, view that this thing is going to last the lifespan of the building. And I'm talking 25 years. And something from a tube is just not going to do that.
1: Just before wrapping up this conversation, have a listen to this.
0: Plumber training has never been easier with articulated plumber courses. Enroll now to upskill yourself at your own pace and earn CPD points. Our informative and easy-to-follow courses can be found on iopsitraining.co.za. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Articulated Plumber.
1: Listen, Richard, we we certainly had... You know, quite a mouthful to say about. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I am not a plumber myself. I am a consumer, and you know, these are all things that I would never have even thought of. Um, so, so I would like to thank you for sharing this information with our audience. You know, it's. I think it carries as much value to them as it does for me.
2: Only a pleasure, Willem, as always.
1: And then, of course, to you, the listener out there, uh, we hope that we have shared some valuable information for you. We do believe so. And uh, thank you for tuning in and listening to this technical episode in which we shared some safety tips on, uh, you know, mounting of hot water cylinders. And uh, we will definitely see you again next time.
0: Thanks for having tuned in. Make sure to read more about the PIRB on our website at PIRB.co.za and on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.